Hey, I'm Casey. And I'm Lauren. And this is... Magnum B.I., the true crime podcast where we add a little social justice commentary, a little bit of comedy, and an existential crisis. Lauren's a brunette now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been having a lot of big feelings lately. Yeah. (laughs) So I dyed my hair. Uh Uh-huh. And initially, I really liked how it turned out. Um, lady that cuts our hair, Melissa. Love you, Love Melissa. You. Love you a Love lot. Love you, Melissa. But I realized after I had partaken in a little bit of ganj the other night as I looked <laughs> in the mirror that I look exactly like my mother. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. need to dye my hair probably back to red. Yeah, I love the brunette. I understand not wanting to see your mom in the mirror. Yeah. Would freak me out also. Yeah. Not, I mean, your mother's a beautiful woman. Thank you. But it would freak me out. Yeah. I just, I like the brunette a lot. Thank you. I also realized that my entire wardrobe is crafted with um, a ginger person in mind. (laughs) So none of my clothes look quite right yet. But you know what? I'll give it a couple more days and see how I feel about it. But first impressions are very mixed. Yeah. She (laughs) also, for those of you not watching on on YouTube, she has gray streaks too. It's giving like eighth grade English teacher in like the absolute best way possible. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I'm going to say it. Thank Melissa you. knows her way around the scalp. I, Melissa's so, I love Melissa. No, she always does such a good job. I was, I was worried because, um, the lady that cuts my hair back home, her name is Becky. And the one time. <laughs> Becky with the good hair. Yes. Oh my God. She looks amazing. But I tried cutting my bangs this one time you know, just to freshen them up because I was starting to look a little crazy because I had been in college for six months. But when I came back, she took one look at me and goes, I didn't do that to you, did I? <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> I was like, no, actually, that was, uh, that was me. So Becky was like, I'm going to give you a refund if yeah. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, w- I was a little worried about cheating on Becky for a minute, but Melissa, love we you. Love you. We I love you. I just saw Melissa today. I did oh, today. You got your ears lowered. Got my, got my hair did. You look yep. very sharp. Thank you. You're once welcome. a week. I go once a week. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so today, yes. well, for, do we want to tell them what we're doing different? Yeah, yeah I think we should. I, yeah. So Casey and I have had a little discussion about the direction we'd like to take for season two of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, did, we, did we still want to do 20 episodes for the first season? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to do 20 episodes that are exclusively true crime. So after... Including this one, yes. six more. Yep, six more. So after that, um, we're going to transition a little. And instead of just doing creepy, icky, spooky, scary cases, we're going to transition into doing more like deep dives mm-hmm. on different topics. Like they can be spooky. Like I wanted to do one on cryptids. I think that would be really fun. Or like um, internet subculture. Like I think it'd be really fun to talk about 4chan. Yes. Because those people are crazy. Mm-hmm. So kind of spooky creepy adjacent but not just true crime because we were talking about it and a lot of the cases we've done recently have been super heavy so we're thinking you know we add a little bit more of a nuanced take to a lot of like internet culture discussions and Mm -hmm. just go from there see what happens i agree i think like things that are still dark in nature yes um with a social justice bend Mm -hmm. because like my Reykjavik episode Mm -hmm. in which i did like a whole sociological study of iceland Mm -hmm. and also this episode today which is very like socio-cultural based mm-hmm. have been really fun mm-hmm. and they're still dark and they still involve like really heavy material that we can like add a more nuanced twist to mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be like and then he killed 75 people because that just 
for two people with mental illnesses, it gets to be a little much. It gets to be a lot. So stay tuned for season two, an investigative podcast with a social justice twist. We're still working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to workshop it a little bit. Yeah. Our two top choices at the moment are an investigative podcast with a social justice twist and a deep dive podcast with a social justice twist. Yes. So maybe we'll put a poll on Instagram, Smart. let the people decide help us figure it out we're big democracy people oh of course yeah social justice because democracy works every time but you know (laughs) (laughs) well we'll figure that out as we go along but what's the topic for today's episode so today um we're going to be doing another sort of like sociologically kind of charged case Mm -hmm. um we're going to be talking I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about the satanic panic mm-hmm. of the 1980s and early 1990s, specifically focused on the McMartin Preschool. Ooh, yeah. let's get into it. Mm-hmm. talking about this um i want to give a brief trigger warning this episode speaks a lot 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 about child sex abuse gotcha um it's it's not graphic by any means Mm -hmm. um and it's also not necessarily true like these aren't like true instances of child sexual abuse it's more like as a hypothetical you'll see what i mean but either way if listening to the concept of child sexual abuse is just like way too heavy for you Mm -hmm. obviously please don't listen to this yeah if the implication is too much come back next week we'll come up with something better we'll be here next week (laughs) so yeah um anyway so we're going to start in 1973 with a canadian psychiatrist named lawrence uh pazder who treats a woman named michelle smith so Michelle comes to Pazder in 1973 after experiencing a miscarriage mm-hmm. um, and an accompanying bout of depression. Gotcha. So Michelle loses her baby. She becomes very depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to this Dr. Lawrence Pazder. Mm-hmm. After a few sessions, Michelle tells Pazder that she has something really important to share with him, but she just can't remember what it is. She's like, I know there's something, it's really heavy, it's really important, it's really, like, urgent, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. That's a little concerning. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A few sessions later, Michelle starts nonstop screaming for 25 minutes straight. What? And then starts speaking in the voice of her five-year-old self. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No! So, over the next 14 months, the two engage in more than 600 hours of hypnosis. (laughs) They engage in what? (laughs) That doesn't sound like therapy to me. Nope. Okay. It's it's not. All right. The professionals will agree with you. (laughs) Um, During this hypnosis, Pazder is unable to unearth many of Michelle's, quote, repressed memories from her childhood. 
Oh my! Oh, we're going there. Yep. Immediately, we're yep. going to the the, the 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 repressed childhood memories. Oh, and the they're not quotes, just memories. Quotes, quotes. They're uh, not just memories. Uh, they're uh, events. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Okay, so okay. these repressed memories, Michelle's repressed memories, largely included satanic ritual sexual abuse against her. So according. <laughs> Whoa! Wait a fucking second. <laughs> Where did this come from? Yeah, yeah. So according to Pazder, <laughs> okay. between 1954 and 1955, when Michelle was five years old, she was ritually abused by the quote Church of Satan, which is a worldwide cult of Satan worshippers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait a. <laughs> I feel like we went from zero to hundred. <laughs> I really started this one. Yeah, we're right up there. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Did these Satanists materialize out of thin air? Well, Michelle was brought to the Church of Satan by her mother. Oh. And it's a worldwide organization of Satan worshippers who ritually abuse kids. Okay, not to immediately discredit Michelle. However, this is giving me Pizzagate vibes. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh! Yep. Ding, ding, okay, ding, okay. ding, ding, ding. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> I can't wait. So, the first instance of Michelle's abuse was, or no, I'm sorry, the final instance of Michelle's abuse, not that it makes a difference, uh-huh. was an 81 day ritual <laughs> in which Satan himself was summoned. <laughs> Michelle was locked in cages. She witnessed human sacrifice, and she was covered in the blood of murdered infants. Um, So she she obviously was covered in physical scars. Okay. So then Jesus... (laughs) Sorry, go on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) We've got the whole fucking cast and crew. (laughs) So Jared Leto... No, sorry, Jesus... So, Jesus, Jesus. the Virgin Mary, and Michael the Archangel... No fucking way. ...came came and removed Michelle's physical scars and then repressed her memories of these events, quote, until the time was right. Oh my god! What? Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You're... What? Whoa. So, bear in mind, none of this happened. Yeah, this is... And that's why we're laughing about it. This is fucking crazy! Because it was an 81-day ritual. Yeah, of course. Um, so Pazder, Dr. Pazder, uh-huh. and Michelle, uh-huh. um, they went on to get married. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is the first five minutes. <laughs> Girl, there are so many fucking red flags. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Oh, this woman is unwell. They got married. Oh. And then they published the story of these therapy sessions and repressed memories in a book called Michelle Remembers. Jesus. The book was published in 1980 uh-huh. and was um, like hailed and publicized by People Magazine. Uh-huh. It was a huge publishing success. Um, it earned more than $300,000 in advances alone. <gasps> so that's not including royalties. That's not including speaking gigs because they toured the country with this book. So, wait, wait, wait. What what year was this published? 1980. Holy shit. It, Recently. Oh, my God. 
Did you ingest the number for inflation or? No. Oh no, my god, that's actually they made true. So much more they money. Made, I, that's a good point. They probably made at least a million. Like in today's, and that's before royalties, and it was <gasps> a success. So they would have bought out the advance. Holy fuck, dude. Um. In 1989, Michelle was featured on the Oprah show to speak about her experiences. Oprah did not once in this segment question the validity of her claims. It's excellent television. Yeah. That's Daytime, primetime television. Oh my God. All the moms at home are sitting there chewing their popcorn like the Virgin Mary, Michael, (laughs) Jesus, the devil, the gang's all here. Yep, yep. Oh my God. So among today's like contemporary psychologists and professionals yeah padsder's book is almost universally seen as just complete horseshit yeah that is, that's an incredible fictional book yeah. i would love to read <laughs> yeah that's like a stephen king novella yes it's it's widely cited as like one of the most like ridiculous um examples of of false memories yeah, yeah. um being coded as repressed memories yeah yeah um so while In truth, while trauma survivors can have trouble recalling and making sense of parts of their experiences, Mm -hmm. entirely forgetting whole traumatic events is extremely rare. Yeah. Um, And so, thus, the unearthing of, quote, repressed memories through hypnosis in contemporary times Mm -hmm. is often seen as very unreliable or Mm -hmm. potentially very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like if you've been through a traumatic event, you might legitimately forget, like, like a certain part of it might come up to you later. Like you might have just forgotten a certain part of it and have to make sense of that. Mm -hmm. But to forget an 81-day ritual in which Satan himself was summoned. That is completely impossible. That's impossible. (laughs) Every part of that is impossible. Yeah, yeah. Because I think one of the big things that um, is kind of understated when it comes to hypnosis, at least in what I know colloquially is you have to kind of be already open to the idea of it to, you know, experience a hypnotic state Mm -hmm. because 99% of it is fucking suggestion to begin with. So you're already putting yourself in a space where you, like, (laughs) are like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be hypnotized. Mm -hmm. And you allow yourself to, like, be put in this state of suggestion. And the longer you go on, it's like, how much of this is information you actually remember versus stuff that's being fed to you? Yes. Exactly. Like, it just simply doesn't make sense to me. And then, as we'll get to mm-hmm. later, that becomes even more apparent and harmful when the people who you are hypnotizing or the people who you're trying to coax these repressed memories out of mm-hmm. are not, um, what's the word, are not reliable sources oh, or their brains aren't mm-hmm. fully formed, mm-hmm. etc. Also considering, you know, there's an imbalance of power in this situation as well, where the psychiatrist... He's a doctor. Yes! Yeah. Her doctor, who's like, I know best, and then completely takes advantage of that power dynamic and is like, oh yes, um, like throwing darts at a board. Yep. Satan. <laughs> and an 81-day ritual. And then he marries her. And then he marries her. That's dog. insane. That like that so alone should be like, okay, you are not a reliable psychiatrist. There has to be, <laughs> I would hope at least that, you know, nowadays you can't like be a doctor and fucking marry your patients. I think there's, I think current laws, and it probably depends on like states and boards oh, and whatever, is like if you haven't been treating the person for X amount of years, then yeah. you can get married. That makes sense. V- versus they, <laughs> like they published this book and they went touring within like, less than 10 years yeah so he's fully enmeshed himself in her life and i'm sure after they got married 
the entire time it was just like reinforcing these ideas he had put in her head. Yeah. So even if, you know, she came to the conclusion that this stuff wasn't real, she's going to continue to be getting gaslit for the rest of her entire fucking life because that's her husband. And now she has these traumatic memories, which literally didn't happen to her. Yep. So now she has to live with these horrible experiences that she literally didn't experience. That's so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the book Michelle Remembers, however, left a huge, 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 huge mark on the cultural landscape of the 1980s and is partially responsible for the birth of the Satanic Panic, which was a moral panic in which over 12,000 unfounded cases of satanic ritual abuse were reported in the U.S. and globally. So this is the Red Scare. This is the Red Scare. (laughs) So much of what we'll be discussing today takes place in the 1980s and early 1990s, Mm -hmm. but um, let's take a minute to look at historic instances of satanic panic. Go for it. Um, So again, though moral panics existed long, long, long before this. Mm-hmm. There are two particular instances which we're familiar of, um, or familiar with. Mm-hmm. One, the witch hunts of the 16th and 17th centuries. Watch our Salem episode. Watch our Salem episode. <laughs> this ties in really nicely with the Salem episode. Yes, it does. And two, McCarthyism of the 1950s. Yes, there it is. So both of these two historic um, examples were inspired by a stifling and oppressive political and sociocultural climate of the time, mm-hmm. coupled with ideological extremism, yep. and then ultimately led to outlandish and unfounded accusations being made against innocent people who threatened the social order, mm-hmm. and then also no one calling out the outlandish nature of these accusations. Absolutely. Um, So it's just another example of accusations snowballing out of control. For example, in Salem, first there was a witch, Mm -hmm. and then there were cults and orgies in the woods. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In McCarthyism, first there was a communist sympathizer in the U.S., Mm -hmm. and then there were masses of homosexuals controlling the media. Happy Pride. (laughs) (laughs) RuPaul Charles, I'm looking at you. I am American, American. Uh, My dad's like, what? We're going to get copyright struck for that. (laughs) So this is probably one of the most interesting things I've ever read in my entire life. Uh In a book by James T. Richardson. I'm like really talking with my hand today. So if you're watching this on on YouTube, YouTube. I'm like fist pumping. (laughs) We're into it today. Um, A book by James T. Richardson, Joel Best, and David G. Bromley called the the Satanism Scare, sorry, Jesus, the Satanism Scare. Um, In the book, the authors outline five cultural underpinnings which contributed to the Satanic Panic of the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So these five things, in part, led to the Satanic Panic to arise in the 1980s. Super interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. One, the establishment of fundamentalist Christianity and the founding of political activism of the religious organization, which was named the Moral Majority. Ooh. Oh, we're getting into yeah. it. So okay. as Christian fundamentalism started influencing politics yes. and gaining steam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Two, the rise of the anti-cult movement. Okay. Three, the appearance of the Church of Satan and other explicitly Satanist groups, including those in hard rock music. Which seemed to support the existence <laughs> of satanic cults. Because the Church of Satan is a real thing. Like, oh, it is, Like, yeah. um, LeVay, is that his name? Huh? LeVay. I don't know. 
I have no idea. I have considered joining it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, literally, because um, because of the current culture of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. religious freedoms are protected under the Constitution, whereas women's bodily autonomy isn't. Yeah. So if I hypothetically join the Church of Satan, I could still get an abortion if Roe v. Wade gets demolished and, you know, we're fucked. Per. So I might become a member of the Church of Satan. I've considered it. Yeah. Well, well, in the 80s, so. this became like a real thing. Yes. Who, they were toting Satan. Yes. And that was like, okay, well, Satanists exist. Yeah, exactly. And it's an organization. Wouldn't that be so crazy if I just decided to do that? I could see it for you. Thank I would you. support you. My crazy English teacher hair. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. I'll come to your baptism. Thank you. Um, four, mm-hmm. the development of the social work or child protection fields mm-hmm. and its struggle to have child sexual abuse recognized as a social problem and a serious crime Holy so people shit. were for the first time really considering that child sexual abuse was a real and serious thing wow i'm surprised it took that long yeah right holy shit <laughs> and five increased public awareness of ptsd repressed memories and the corresponding survivor movement So all of these things, sort of the five things, five pillars kind of came together Mm -hmm. so that the satanic panic could really start building momentum in the 80s. Yeah, that's a perfect storm. Um, Beyond this, these insane claims of Satanism and abuse um, brought together extremely different groups, including religious fundamentalists, Mm -hmm. police and investigators, Mm -hmm. child advocates, therapists, and clients in psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So think of one other thing that can bring together those people. (laughs) Um, Over time, these claims morphed into anti-government conspiracy theories, i.e. QAnon. Whoa. (laughs) Full circle. But this is kind of like one of the modern births of what allowed QAnon to become QAnon. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we're not talking about QAnon today. We're talking about QAnon's... Ancestors. Yeah, the, the, the ancient QAnon. <laughs> As they call it. Yes, of course. Um, one last piece of the setup before we get into the actual McMartin preschool. Yep. Um, in the early 1980s, around the time of the publication of Michelle Remembers, just after the publication of Michelle Remembers, mm-hmm. um, many mandatory reporting laws were implemented across the world. Nice. Meaning that certain figures are obligated by law to report instances of child abuse. Period. So, like, if you're a teacher, yep. if you're a counselor, if yep. you're a social worker, if, like, if you're a policeman, like, there mm-hmm. are just certain occupations, cr- like, currently, you yeah. know, this lasted, that says that if you hear about child abuse, if you're aware of child abuse, you have to report it by law. Yeah. Like, you bar confidentiality and you have to report it. Yeah, obviously. Um, this, obviously, led to an increase in child protective investigations across the U.S., the U.K., and other Western countries, mm-hmm. and thus brought the prevalence of child abuse into the public discourse. Mm-hmm. My personal take on that, because child abuse at this time only very recently became legitimized both legally and culturally, mm-hmm. with people talking about it for the first time and laws being enacted to mandate you to report it for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah, and criminalize it. Yes. People didn't have the words to speak about it in any sort of nuanced way. Oh, you're absolutely right, yeah. So I think if people just really latched onto this bullshit we're about to talk about. <laughs> okay. Because maybe they had experienced it themselves when they were kids, but they just didn't have the words for it, they mm-hmm. hadn't made sense of it, and mm-hmm. now there was some kind of way to make some weird sense of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So thus, the McMartin Preschool. Alrighty. So the McMartin Preschool was a prominent daycare in Manhattan Beach, California, um, in Los Angeles County. It was owned by a woman named Peggy McMartin Bucky. Um, Peggy's children, her son and her daughter, helped to run the daycare, so it was very much a family business. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, in 1983, a mother observed that her two-and-a-half-year-old son had come home from daycare with painful bowel movements and difficulty sitting down. Oh, So she went to the police to report that a 25-year-old man named Ray Bucky, who was a teacher at McMartin and the grandson of the owner, had sodomized her son. Oh, Oh my God. So she goes to the police and says, hey, this guy named Ray Bucky, who works at the preschool, he's he's been raping my son. Yeah. Um, Beyond this, however, the mother reports to police that people at the daycare had been having sex with animals... And that Ray was seen flying through the air like a witch. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like, okay, you know what? We've just completely come back to the Salem episode yep. again where it's like one thing begets another. And it's like... It's like oh. one thing that you're like, oh, shit. And yeah. then you're like, oh, shit, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's very much like that idea of like crazy fundamentalist Christians being like, if you're gay, you're having sex with animals. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, literally. You're on crack cocaine, my guy. So despite her son not being able to... Po- Again, her son's two and a half years old. Despite her son not being able to positively identify Ray as the man who did this to him... Oh, my God. Police raided Ray's home, confiscated... I kid you not... A rubber ducky, a teddy bear, and a Playboy magazine as quote-unquote evidence. What? And they arrested Ray. Oh, my God. Note, and very important note. Yeah. The mother mm-hmm. of the two-and-a-half-year-old who reported this to police and got Ray arrested mm-hmm. was later diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and she died of alcoholism three years later before the trial was complete. Hmm. Okay. Unreliable source, unfortunately. Second note... A few pieces which I've seen online, and I don't know how true this is because it's really interesting how it shows up some places, but then it's totally left out in other places. Mm -hmm. But I just want to bring it up. A few places that I've seen online have claimed that Ray Bucky, the man who was arrested, was the estranged father of this child. Whoa. So they say that the woman who accused Ray Bucky Uh was the mother of Ray's child, and the two-and-a-half-year-old was Ray's child. Wow. Are you following? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And I mean, you know, I just want to caveat. Not to say that people that have schizophrenia or alcoholism cannot be reliable sources. Yeah. However, what I'm picking up from this bigger picture that we're starting to build here is that there's a lot of things going on that we don't quite know yet. Yes. So it seems like um, the police should have done a little bit more research, a little bit more due diligence, mayhaps. Yes. But let's let's see. I don't but then there's also a difference between... Not being a reliable source about your kid being raped and not being a reliable source about seeing the rapist fly around like a witch and have sex with animals. Yeah, that's the part that's a little cuckoo. That's the part that's like, (laughs) so, you know. So the police, due diligence, Mm -hmm. sent a letter to about 200 parents of students at the daycare informing them that the teacher, Ray Bucky, had been arrested and letting them know about this whole situation. Okay, good. Um, This is a part of the letter. You can find the whole letter online, Mm -hmm. but this is a part of it. Quote, The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your your children as well as the rights of the accused, the inquiry is is necessary for a complete investigation. Mm -hmm. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. Mm -hmm. We are asking for your assistance in continuing this investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she 
has been a witness to any crime or if he if or or if he or she has been a victim um and then it goes on and on and on and it kind of just describes things that they should look out for now notice however that this letter is not just to inform parents of what's what's been happening but Uh it directly asks parents to get involved and to quote question their children so it's really like putting this like battle of good versus evil responsibility in the hands of these parents. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, like when you hear that someone has been accused of child abuse, you don't yes. take that lightly. Absolutely not. And then many of these people probably know Ray. Yes. And then they're like, hey, question your children. Yeah. So you're going to feel some kind of personal responsibility to help out with oh this. Oh my God, yeah. I would lose my fucking mind. <laughs> oh my God. If I, if I had a kid that went to a school where someone was arrested on suspicions of child abuse, I think I would like have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Like, especially if the kid had been in that teacher's class. Yep. That is every parent's worst fucking nightmare. Yep. And then people talk and then it's like, you see your friend at the pickup line and you're like hey what did your kid say what did your kid say my kid said this well my kid said you know and then it's like you're feeding information to your kid like implicitly you're you know and that's i mean in the 80s i'm sure like everything was so much more community based than it is nowadays so people will fucking talk you know you go to the grocery store and the grocery store cashier is you know looking at you sideways you run into your friend blah 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 their kid knows that kid their kid is friends with the kid that was assaulted you know it just builds and this is los angeles imagine if this happened in like small town oklahoma oh my god we would have an entire salem situation yeah (laughs) if it was isolated they would have gone on a fucking witch hunt yep um so this whole situation spreads to the point where within a few months 10 other daycares in the surrounding area are accused of the same situation happening um around 400 children mainly from the McMartin Preschool, Uh are brought into the Children's Institute International, or the CII, Mm -hmm. a Los Angeles abuse therapy clinic. So it's a a clinic for children who had experienced and survived abuse. Um, The head of this clinic was a social worker named Key McFarlane. Her name is K-E-E, so it could be K, but I'm going to say it's Key. Okay. Either way. Um, Key McFarlane used puppets to interview the children and to ask them about their experience at the McMartin Preschool. Not the puppet. So she would be a puppet and she would have the kid be another puppet and she'd be like, what did you experience at preschool? <laughs> no fucking way! She has fucking Kermit the Frog. Did he touch you here? <laughs> no, literally. No! Literally. Oh my she like pioneered, you know you hear like in popular culture the whole like, show me on the doll where he touched you. She, she pioneered that. Oh Christ. This was Key McFarlane. Okay. Um. So she would have a kid be one of the puppets. She would be another puppet. They would have a conversation about the school in that sort of way. More than 90 percent of the 400 children interviewed 9090 percent reported signs of sexual abuse but oh. the interviews were conducted horribly i mean yeah horribly unethical <laughs> not productive not right i'm gonna make some assumptions um number one i mean this is a completely new thing right this is the first instance where child sexual abuse has been criminalized so obviously there's no standard practice for how these interviews are going to go down number two i'm assuming these kids are doing these interviews alone yeah yeah she has them completely and they're being filmed but yeah yeah so you know they're isolated they're away from their parents if you're interviewing a two and a half year old child 
respectfully. That's not a full person. Yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they don't that's know. a half a brain. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what's going on. They just want to leave. Yeah, they probably just want to leave. Or they have no concept to be able to be like, this is supposed to be reenacting a real situation, not this is playtime. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a fucking puppet. Yeah, or not, you know, this person is leading me to an answer yeah. that they want. They're feeding them information. Like, oh my god. Because they don't know what's going on. They That's have no idea what's going on. Oh, oh my god. Um, and so a lot of the questions, as I'm sure you can assume, yep. were very leading. And oh, she yeah. wanted an answer. Of course. And she wasn't going to let this child go until they gave her the answer she wanted. Exactly. Um, so a lot of the questions that they asked, that uh, Lee Key, Key asked, mm-hmm. um, were about... The playing of quote unquote naked games at the daycare. Oh my god. So there was a lot of discussion about like, did you play these naked games? Um, so I'm gonna read you an excerpt about the naked horsey game. (laughs) So the interviewer asked Uh asked the child. Right. Is the horsey game a naked game? Child, no. Interviewer, I thought it was. Think it is. We have lots of naked kids here who could play. Child, it's a clothes game. Interviewer, oh, some of the kids told me it was a naked game. It's okay if it was a naked game. I'm just trying to figure out the game. You know what some of the kids have told me? Child, what? Interviewer, they told me that somebody told them not to talk about the games and the bad secrets. Did that happen to you too? Oh, I need to take a shower. And ultimately this child, after saying, quote, no, quote, it's a clothes game said, oh, I mean, yeah, the Naked Horsey game was a naked game. Yeah, because they literally were like, wasn't it? Wasn't it? They're like, oh, oh, somebody else told me that it was. A little birdie told me. That's weird. You were assaulted. Yeah, meanwhile, <laughs> they're saying this from a puppet. This isn't a human being <laughs> saying Kermit this. Kermit the Frog going, were you touched? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? What is... The, the 80s were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it's crazier... The allegations made by these children, i.e. coaxed out of these children, were not just about naked games. Mm -hmm. In addition to being sexually abused, Mm -hmm. many of these children saw witches flying at the daycare. (laughs) They traveled in a hot air balloon. They were taken to orgies at car washes and airports. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, they were flushed down toilets into secret underground tunnels. What the fuck? And now these these things that I just said, these orgies, these underground tunnels, the, these, tunnel the, the hot toilet. air balloon, um, they were presented at trial. <laughs> <laughs> what? At an American 1980s trial. In a court of law. In a court of law. Sworn <laughs> on the Bible. Sworn on the Bible. Oh, my God. What the fuck? So the first trial was held between July 13th, 1987 and January 18th, 1990. Mm-hmm. The, that trial, mm-hmm. just the trial, mm-hmm. not, the, not the pre-trial, not the investigation, not the pre-trial, that trial mm-hmm. was two and a half years long <laughs> of taxpayer dollars and <laughs> jurors sitting there for two and a half years. Two and a half, oh. Imagine if you got called out of work for two and a half years to listen to some kid tell you about the fucking underground tunnels at their daycare that don't exist. And then this fucking quack of a therapist shows up with Kermit the Frog <laughs> and goes, and there were witches. <laughs> they took me in a hot air balloon, you see. And they flushed me down the toilet. <laughs> what the fuck? 
a jury had to sit there for two and a half years. I would have zero faith in the American criminal justice system after that. I think I would simply become a hermit. <laughs> I would go to the woods and not come back. I would just like per like perjure myself. I'd be yeah. like, I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I can't do this. So four and a half members of the McMartin family, mm-hmm. including Ray Bucky, his mother, his sister, and his grandmother who owned the, the preschool. Wait, who's the half? Hmm? You said four and a half. Did I really say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Maybe, maybe I missed it. No, you probably didn't. You probably didn't. I'm not the brightest tool in the shed. Oh, you're so four members four. of the McMartin family, only four, quattro. Um, Ray Buckley, his mother, um, his sister, and his grandmother. Yes. And then three additional teachers uh-huh. were charged collectively with 115 counts of child abuse, later expanded to 321 <gasps> counts of child abuse involving 48 children. Holy fuck. That w- <laughs> like, I don't know how many kids were at this daycare, but wouldn't that mean you abused, like, every, every kid? <laughs> oh, my God. That's that fucking horrific. Um, throughout the trial, obviously, <laughs> the children's accounts were very inconsistent. Yep. Um, Lawrence Padster and Michelle Smith, the mm-hmm. authors of Michelle Remembers, met with the children and their families to discuss the trauma and the repressed memories. If you're going to tell me that Padster hypnotized those kids, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. He was, like, helping the families learn how to coax these repressed memories out of their kids. <sighs> that fucker. That crazy old <sighs> bastard. Again, now, currently, Padster and his book are largely discredited. debunked, yeah, discredited. Um, but the trial was happening while fucking Oprah was singing his praises of on daytime course. TV. Yeah, and it's a New York Times bestseller, yeah. and it's on every it's fucking on People bookshelf. Magazine. Yep. They took a, a country tour. Um, at the end of the trial... Peggy McMartin Bucky, the owner of the daycare and Ray's grandmother, mm-hmm. two and a half years later, yep. was acquitted on all counts. Ray's sister finally got her teaching license back wow. after years of being barred from her occupation. Yep. Um, Ray Bucky was cleared on 52 of 65 counts and was freed on bail, on bail after more than five years in jail. So this man spent five years in jail without ever being convicted of a crime. What? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> he was being held without bail for five years on no charges? With, with no charges. <laughs> five years. Five. Oh. Um, Eleven of the 13 jurors voted to acquit Bucky of the charges. Mm-hmm. Um, so two of them still thought he was guilty. Okay. Um. However, media coverage, despite 11 of the 13 acquitting him, Mm -hmm. um, media coverage focused largely on the two jurors who did believe that he was guilty. Of course they did. Um, In fact, throughout this entire fucking ordeal, the vast, vast, vast majority of media coverage was completely uncritical of these children and completely uncritical of the prosecution. I mean, realistically, you're not going to villainize a bunch of abused children. That's why That's why this is so hard. Yeah. That's why, like, this is so... Because, like, that, that is the most black and white thing in mm-hmm. any given society, I think, that mm-hmm. children should not be abused. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not, like, a radical or, like, hot take. Yeah. So then it's difficult, I think, when you're in the heat of the moment to be critical of it. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that... 
No. And one of the first people who, after this whole thing was over, mm-hmm. the one of the first journalists to come out and be critical of of Key's um, in interviews, yep. of the prosecution, of all of these things, he yep. won a Pulitzer Prize for that article. Good for him. So, like, Oof. that was radical to be like, hey, what just happened? Yeah, like, uh, what the <laughs> fuck, guys? Yeah. Um, altogether, including the preliminary hearings and the trial itself, the case lasted seven years <laughs> and cost uh, $15 million dollars making it the longest and most expensive criminal case in the history of the United States legal system. Is this number adjusted for inflation? No. Okay. It's not. Oh my God. $15 million, 1990. All because Kermit the Frog said. (laughs) Did he touch you there? Stop being Kermit the Frog and asking me if I was touched. (laughs) Lauren. Casey. What the Man. And then keep in mind, after $15 million, seven years, the longest and most expensive criminal case in the history of the U.S. legal system, yep. it ended in no convictions. Yep. Um, the McMartin School was closed and the building was demolished. Yep. Underground excavations in search of the secret tunnels literally happened. <laughs> People literally spent their time doing that. Digging holes. And they found, like, some garbage. Like, yeah. you can see online, like, the collection of things that they found. It was, mm-hmm. like, a tin can yeah. and, like, some scaffolding. Like, they didn't find secret tunnels which connected to a toilet. You know what? You know why? It's because the witches waved their little fingers. <laughs> and were like, tunnels be gone. And Kermit was like, oh, no, I think I got rid of them. <laughs> That's my Kermit voice. My tunnels! <laughs> Wait, my tunnels? Kermit was doing the touching now? <laughs> <laughs> We've uncovered it, guys. We finally Shit. figured it Take out. Take them back to trial. In 2022. <laughs> in 2005, oh, one of the children, now an adult, publicly retracted all of his childhood allegations. Wow. Saying, quote, never did anyone do anything to me, and I never saw them doing anything. Uh-huh. I said a lot of things that didn't happen. I lied. Anytime I would give them an answer that they didn't like, they would ask again and encourage me to give them the answer they were looking for. I felt uncomfortable and a little ashamed that I was being dishonest. But at the time, being the type of person I was, whatever my parents wanted me to do, I would do. That's fucking awful. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. Did Key ever face any kind of... She's now like... I'm sure she's discredited. Been, yeah, of course. Beyond yeah. all marks. And she also, during the trial, kept calling herself a psychotherapist. Like, she kept being like, I'm a leading psychotherapist in my field. She legally cannot call herself that because she's not one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's, like, by all definitions, not a psychotherapist. Right. So her mm-hmm. and fucking uh, Lawrence Padzer, mm-hmm. like, lost all credibility that Good. they once had. Lee is still alive. Lawrence is dead. But, yeah, that's... <laughs> so, I think it's really... And we'll probably do an episode on QAnon. I oh, assume yeah. one of us Absolutely. will do an episode on QAnon. There's so much to discuss there. But it's just crazy how this, like, led to that. Like, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. parallels are all there. Mm-hmm. Was this before or after the Manson family? After. Okay, this was after. Like, 20 years-ish yeah. after. That's insane. And even nowadays, I mean, you'll have, like 
fundamentalist Christians pointing at, like, fucking, I don't know, a video of Megan Thee Stallion at a VMA's performance and be like, it's the devil. Yeah. It's like, this kind of shit is so far-reaching. I don't even think now, you know, what is it, four years in the future, Mm -hmm. we have the ability to look back on it and realize the full extent of how far this entire thing has sunk its claws into American culture and the entirety of Christian fundamentalism as a whole. Yep. Because, like... And then you bring kids into it. Yep. And it's, again, like, how do you... You're a monster if you don't want to look into that. Yeah. But then it's like, let's be critical for, like, ten seconds and mm-hmm. be like, okay, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, which is terrible because, obviously, you know, if something really terribly fucked up happens, you're not going to say to a child, now, honey, yeah, that didn't happen. Because that's even more evil. Yeah. I just wish that there had been someone else that had been thinking, hmm, maybe we should consider the puppet lady yeah (laughs) yeah maybe we shouldn't trust the quote-unquote psychotherapist um yeah and my mom also made i told my mom that i was doing this episode Mm -hmm. and she was like because she remembered this happening obviously and she was like it's just crazy how and she said this and i was like fuck Uh but she was like it's just crazy how all of this happened and then the leaders of the Boy Scouts and the Christian church Mm -hmm. were right under our noses and they were the good guys. Whoa. And I was like, damn. (laughs) Damn. All right, when are we having Shelly on the podcast? Yeah, right? Isn't that like the most like, because this shit happens where you're like, oh, these these crazy Satan worshipers are out there doing crazy Satan worshiping things. Mm -hmm. And then you're trusting like the Boy Scout leaders and the priests as like, the good guys who are yep. telling you the truth. Yep. The and meanwhile, they're the, the the villains don't even exist. Yeah. You know? Yep, very much so. Yeah. And, and you know, even in more recent history, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we have fucking Pizzagate. Yeah. Or we have uh, fundamentalist Christians, like, <laughs> what was the thing I was talking about forever ago? The monster, the monster can. Oh, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. I want to do an episode on specifically the monster camp. Oh, my God. <laughs> one of my favorite pieces of media ever. And, you know, moms and dads out there listening. Hi. I know this isn't going to make any sense to you, but there's this video <laughs> of this woman that I think of all the time. And she, I don't know if she's at some kind of, like, religious convention or she's, I don't like. Know where she is. <laughs> you know, she's probably at a fucking anime convention. Yeah. And she has, like, her little poster board set up with pictures of monster energy cans. And she's holding up a can and she has the thickest southern accent ever and she's going now if you look at this can and you take a close look at this symbol right here this is the hebrew symbol for the number six and there are three of these you take this can you take a sip bottoms up and the devil laughs <laughs> and, I think and she's that. like dead oh serious. my god it's not a fucking joke no. but i watch that video occasionally and it just sends me to the fucking moon every time because she so vehemently believes that she's uncovered this fucking secret yeah same energy as this we were riding brooms bottoms up the devil laughs yeah like, yeah no and i just love how she's doing that and the people who are filming her are like Wow. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> because because oh. they know they've they've hit fucking gold. Yeah. <laughs> like, this woman needs to be uh, investigated. Anyway, so that is the story of the McMartin preschool and the satanic panic at the disco. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> Brendan Gary. Brendan. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. That was a fun one. Yeah. You know, not to say that uh, child sex abuse is fun. But no, but it didn't happen, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. And that was, 
really interesting to discuss. Like, I didn't realize that, you know, this lady, Key, was the queen of the, the puppet. Of the puppet. The she puppet was puppet master. Player. She was a puppet master, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she literally was. Really Yeah, and it's, it, uh, it's not to say that that none of these kids were abused in some capacity because mm-hmm. I think I think it's valid yeah, to I believe mean, that, you know. That first little boy, something obviously happened to him. Yeah. You don't come back from preschool being unable to sit in your chair and it's like, oh, yeah. whatever. And it's fine. That's fucked up. I just think it's noteworthy to to mention that his mother might have had beef with the man that she accused mm-hmm. and also she literally had paranoid schizophrenia and was an alcoholic and was an alcoholic which again we're not you know you know know, social justice podcast but like (laughs) like you know you know and then for those things to be exempt from the trial too because the prosecutors were like severely underplaying the severity of her mental illness also throughout would have been worth mentioning would have been worth mentioning yeah fully um so yeah, we're back on a regular posting schedule now. Yes, now that things have been squared away, I'm settled into my new house, and mm-hmm. I have Wi-Fi now. Thank which God! Is exciting. Thank God! Literally took me um, emailing pictures of. Oh my God! Well, we were going to talk about other shit, but I can get into this. <laughs> so <laughs> my landlord, I'm pretty sure, is part of a conglomerate that owns a bunch of student housing in downtown Binghamton, which is being gentrified as we speak. Yeah. I've been trying to get in touch with this lady for almost two weeks because when I signed the lease, it said all utilities are included with the price of rent and we get Wi-Fi. There is a router on the premises. It literally says the address of my house. However... The only router on the premises is locked in a box in our basement. <laughs> like, why? And I literally had to send pictures and videos of me showing the box. The <laughs> fucking router is locked in to be like, lady, there is no other router on the premises. Please give me the Wi-Fi password. And after all this song and dance, she was finally like, oh, here it is. But also, like... Why is it locked in a fucking yeah, box? Yeah, who's stealing a Wi-Fi router? I don't know. And also, what if you ever need to, like, reboot your Wi-Fi? Yeah. Can you just not unplug your Wi-Fi router Literally. and plug it back in ever? Literally. And I was like, girl, can I just have the combination so I can see, like, the password that's on the bottom of the router? And she's like, you don't need that information. So, I don't fucking know. But at least... What is happening? I don't know. But at <laughs> least now, after all of that, I finally have internet. And um, in another fun piece of exciting information... The reason why I kept going back to the puppet thing and I thought it was so funny is because on our YouTube videos, our outro screen is us as Muppets. So (laughs) once we start editing the videos with the new um, intro and outro graphics, which I finally got around to animating and drawing. And they look so good. You get to see Casey and I as Muppets. Which is so exciting. (laughs) Fun little uh, segue there. (laughs) Can we make... No, I'm not going to make that joke. Never mind. Sorry. Are you going to talk about the... uh, Off camera? Yeah. (laughs) Um... Anyway, so Lauren is is editing our YouTube videos from here on out. Yes. So they will actually be on time Fingers because crossed. I am not a good podcast host. <laughs> and um, we'll be at, back on our regular schedule. And what's our episode for next week? Next week, I'm going to be doing an unsolved mystery. So I'm stealing Casey's shtick. Yeah. And we're going to be doing the mystery of the Summerton Man. Oh, I love that case. Which is... You know, it's another famous one. It's probably one of my favorites. We're going to have another, like, little Agatha Christie moment where we're going to be discussing our theories as to what happened with this guy. So if you like ones that are a little bit on the lighter side and it leaves you, you know, thinking about what happened, tune in next week. And 
We'll see you guys then. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Magnum. B.I. Bye. Bye.